So, Wayne, you were at last night's game. I was eating my breakfast uh, here in Seattle, uh, and I nearly choked on my cornflakes. <laughs> Did you enjoy your pie? Was that good while uh, watching what United served up? Well, I think I would have preferred to have been in Seattle, I'll be honest. The, the weather wasn't as bad as the Burnley game, and that was everyone, yep. what everyone was talking about beforehand because it was rotten for, for Burnley. It was really rotten. So everyone, I th- we were talking, I had a opportunity to meet someone, like someone I'd known on, online for right. maybe 10 more than 10 years, much like yourself, actually. Um, uh, the first time I'd ever met him in person was before the game, and he'd come up for the game with his two sons from London. And we were talking, and my wife mentioned in passing something like, oh, the, the mood around the ground seems a lot more optimistic than it was against Burnley, because obviously we were following the Newcastle game. Yep. Like that. So actually, yeah, going into it, I was feeling a little bit um, optimistic. And I don't know what it was, but before, there was a rumour like three hours before kickoff that Jones was going to play. I know that rumour right. was 24 hours, but then it really intensified like three hours before kickoff. Oh, Phil Jones going to be playing. Then he turned up and everything like that um, in the squad he was pictured. So you knew that he was going to be in the team. And yep. everyone was really optimistic about it. I mean, the, you know, the, the reception for him was was fantastic. Yes, and, yeah. You know, I joined in in that, by the way. Definitely have a lot more respect for, for his journey, especially since I learned about the, the fact that his injury was the same as the one that Ollie had. And right. I had a lot more respect for the fact of his journey after that, rather than just thinking, oh, he's always injured. Why is he still picking up a wage? when he was given the new contracts and everyone was con- concerned about that. But then in the sort of time between, I don't know, between applauding his selection and, and you know, the game kicking off and the first cup, I know he got a real big applause for his first yes. clearance and his first pass and everything, but then he made a couple good, of, good like, for him. Rusty, yeah. yeah, a couple of rusty things. And then I started to think, well, well, the last time Phil Jones played for us, it was a 2-0 defeat against Burnley. And the time before that, he was brought off against Sheffield United and the time before that I can remember him costing us the FA Cup final in 2018 and perhaps you know he he wasn't good enough regardless of the the sentiment there and and that's you know and it wasn't on Phil Jones because he was obviously one of our better players last night but and and how stupid it was that the the two major attacking moments that we had the the disallowed goal and the free kick at the end both came from phil jones surging forward which yes was yeah yeah such a nonsense but yeah I, the i don't know if i felt the same optimism as everyone did at kickoff I, I, this the shape of the team it concerned me a little bit that fernandez yes. was still you know obviously was suspended for burnley but that he was left on the bench because of this new shape that rang the yeah, train yeah. and that there's one part of me, you know me, Ed, I try and look on the optimistic side of it. And I thought, well, we won the other night and we scored three goals in the first half. And as controlled as United could be, or could be with the midfield that they've got, or have been for, for a year or so, it wasn't a very controlled second half against Burnley, but it was as controlled as we've seen United do it. So I thought, all right, fair enough. He's a manager who's rewarding, con- you know, he's rewarding performance and consistency. Yes. So I saw the value in that, but then very quickly you could see no wolves on Burnley. They they yeah, played yeah. football much better team. Yeah, the yeah. fourteen goals, uh, fourteen shots in the first half, which was yes. I mean, and they looked like scoring a few times as well. They are absolutely cutting through as they were. It's, as many shots as they'd had a, a, in their like 
last five matches combined or something like that. They were they were good. They were really good. They were bossing in midfield. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the same age-old argument that we could have Neves and uh, Moutinho. You would have them in our midfield over... Oh, yeah, in, sure. In... I mean, they, they've done that to us time and time again, yeah. haven't they, over the last few years, those two. Just uh, it, it feels like a pattern that's repeated and a pattern we haven't learned from, or at least... It's a pretty boring argument to say United are lacking in midfield, but it really was a donut shape last night. There were midfielders in there, but Matic is gone. I mean, it's my opinion. I'm not dumping on him for the sake of it, but he's gone as a player in, in the Premier League. He, he just can't. He's He gets overrun because he hasn't got the, the legs anymore. And McTominay's performance went from outstanding against Burnley in a more attacking sense, I think, you know, more as an eight, to to being just overrun and outclassed against Wolves, and his just personal performance wasn't very good. And so, you know, Rangnick changed the shape, as you mentioned, went from this sort of narrow 4-2-2-2-2 to what looked like an old-fashioned 4-2-4, basically. Yeah. You know, with all these players piling forward and nothing in the middle, and it just meant that Wolves, were, it was so easy for them to transition against us and just pick us off, which it did all the time. And then, then Ragnick switched it to like a 3-5-2 with Jaden Sancho's left wing back. And I've never yeah. seen this before in my life. And and where does the goal come from? I think it actually Sancho had gone off by that time. It was Marcus Rashford who's left wing back. Yeah. It comes from a Darmatroy or a and, and Bruno Lage's clearly a smart coach. He spotted it and and Traore broke and he'd done that a couple of times previously, hadn't he? Yeah. He's, I mean the thing is with Traore as well. I mean this was one problem that I have, not, not one problem, but Ragnick coming in the middle of the season, perhaps he's not familiar with all the players in the Premier League and, and stuff like that. Yes. Traore, Traore, I know he's got his qualities and we all know about him, but he's very much a player that could go under the radar to a, a coach like Ragnick because he plays for a club like Wolves. And, but he'd, he'd done that to us at Molyneux, by the way, Traore, yeah. done it four or five times and we were so lucky to get away with, with a clean sheet in that game. And and to win, so you knew, you did know, yeah. From the from the moment they changed that shape, it was very much a case of well, United need to score probably two goals because they're going to change, they're going to see where the space is and they're going to exploit it. You mentioned Matic, and the thing that I've noticed about him, and and it goes back probably about a year to because we played Arsenal the first game of twenty twenty one, right? And right. we played Matic and Fred. Well, the Solskjaer played Matic and Fred in the middle. And it was something I'd noticed then, but it's more prominent every time you see him play now, Matic. It's not like he plays in a midfield too. He gravitates towards the middle to right. try and compensate for the lack of his pace. And that yes. creates a massive problem for the player who's next to him because they have to fill in all this space around him. Yes, yeah. Like Fred against Arsenal last year was, it made him look really bad. And it was the same for McTominay. He was trying to do 50 different things and, and none of them, successful you saw him yeah. like lunging into tackles trying to trying to set the tone of the play moving further forward and he just he couldn't do it and he was quite often out of position United have a few problems like that and I'm sure you'll agree with me on this that because because of the scattergun transfer policy over the last sort of six yes. or seven years where the next player that's signed doesn't seem to complement the last one in, yes, wherever yeah. they are in the system that it's a mismatch of stuff and yeah when when Traore came on you knew the first thing he was going to do was exploit all that space around Luke Shaw. Yeah, and he did, and he did. And then Shaw, Shaw by that time, I think, was, I think I'm right in saying, was kind of left 
of the three centre backs yeah. and yeah. and Rashford at left wing back and it was um, and just shortly before that Matic had got the most predictable yellow card of the night you know yeah. trying to chase Traore down yeah. and then then his Traore creates the goal and Moutinho scores from the second phase and it's a good strike and all of that yeah. but it just it just felt so inevitable by that time and the problems came before that didn't they they came with partly to do with the shape and the system and the personnel and partly to do with just a lack of quality in midfield. And and you kind of feel like we have this thing post-Ferguson, and I kind of understand why both fans and the board do this. They they kind of assign a messianic quality to the manager. He's the man who can come and fix everything. And, and Ragnick, as smart as he is and the, as good as the work he's done is at Hoffenheim and Schalke and the Red Bull clubs, he can't miraculously fix everything. He's had hardly any training sessions still. The Carrington was closed for a week or so. He's had international break. He's come in in the middle of a whole bunch of fixtures. What any coach will tell you when you work with them is it's, it's plan, execute, analyze, repeat. Plan, execute, analyze, repeat over and over. And, and that's how you get, say, the city level of kind of shape where you, you can put players in, pull players out, and it just functions. Uh, and United are miles and miles away from that. And it's going to take Ragnick the whole length of his time at United as coach to to put some kind of functional shape. And and then on top of that, you have, and we, we can't not talk about it, you have the, uh, as Shaw called out, the kind of lack of intensity and aggression and purpose, mm. which was, that was almost the most shocking thing. I don't buy any of this kind of social media chat about Ragnick. Oh, he's already failed and uh, mm. he doesn't know how to get the best out of these players and he's changing stuff. And yes, of course he's tinkering because he's trying to fix problems. Uh, and there are too many problems and too many trade-offs for him to be able to miraculously fix and to coach them out. And and so the most shocking thing was the fact that you know, I didn't press at all last night. There was no intensity for the double, the second ball. It, it felt so trite, like talking about yeah, aggression and intensity and fans will often translate that to kind of passion. He was right, wasn't he, Sure. Aside from the shape being weird and the tactics probably, probably Ragnit was outthought by Brunelage last night. The thing that you expect that Roy Keane always called out was, well, you can only beat them with equality once you've matched them for work rate and aggression and intensity. Yeah. And the thing that Rangin wants is the press. And there's none of it. It's just, just didn't exist. Yeah. And that's got to be the players just not doing it. And that was shocking. Yeah, it is. And what's concerning about it is that you've got this culture of lack of accountability in United's players. Yeah. And it spreads right through. I mean, there's probably only two players, I think, who take an accountability in the performances. And that's De Gea and Ronaldo. They seem like genuinely... They've got their own personal um, standards of wanting to, you know what I mean? They, yes. They know what it takes to represent the club yes. in a successful yes. team. So they know how far the standard is away from that. Whereas you've got someone like Shaw coming out and saying what he said. It is concerning because it still looks like finger pointing. It doesn't look like he's saying I'm part of the problem. He's, he's trying to say that eight or nine other players are the problem. And it's like, no, it, it did kind just, of sound like that, didn't it? Yeah. It did, no, it really didn't look, it's all right coming across and sounding downbeat because he did, you know, he sounded like, and that's the, the problem is that a lot of people will look into that and say, well, he, he seemed really crushed by the defeat. And be, be, you're right. I mean, I've often thought about I mean, the absurdity of 
taking Roy Keane back for six months, which would never happen because Ferguson's so powerful at the club at the moment. But you know, I'm not talking about a, a long-term thing or saying that Keane's a marvellous coach or anything like that. And, and maybe this just comes across like that old-fashioned stereotype football fan and wanting something to hark back to what it was 20 years ago. But to put someone in there who will like give it to the players straight who will because i think that i don't know if any solskjaer certainly he didn't do any of it he was a very much a so positive yes manager but some of these players they need a proper reality check because they yeah, looking, yeah. you can't turn the calendar year at united as we are especially this season because at this start of the season as unrealistic as it was everyone was tipping us for the title now we, I don't think we could have done that with this midfield, but we finished second last season. Yes. So there's a fair amount. might have been a little bit of a false position in front of Liverpool and Chelsea, but it, yep. it was enough to say, no, that was last season's squad. You've got Varane, Ronaldo, Sancho added to that. You've got an opportunity to really push on. And they've just apps, they've massively regressed. And yes, Solskjaer yes, paid the yeah. price for that, but now you've turned the calendar year and a few, a few games into seeing this squad under this new manager. And you're starting to see that finger pointing, that lack of accountability, about ability, which we were all saying, Ed, we suspected it was there anyway. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The hair and Ronaldo, they're senior players. They've been at the club. Well, Ronaldo's come back. Uh, he's been at the elite level his entire yeah. career, 20 years at the elite level. And De Gea, now one of the senior players at the club. Their personal standards don't always meet what they want, of course. Ronaldo's old now yeah. and he's a certain kind of player now and that's maybe a problem Rangnick has to think about yeah. tactically because going back to the press there's no trigger there it's, he was it, uh, to, just to put on that Ronaldo thing I mean, you're quite right in that the, it wasn't like a universal thing in the team Fernandez does it automatically but there's yeah. no real discipline in what he's doing yes so yeah. you're quite right with Ronaldo last night it was very much um, an emotional response when the crowd was getting agitated Ronaldo seemed to sort of get yes. affronted by that. And so he would press, but it was very much like, a, this is a last kiss. Oh, look what you're making me do. You're making me press of all people. That's how he came across. <laughs> like It does feel like that. I mean, he, he the first game under Ragnik, he did. And we were like, wow, yeah. look at Ronaldo. And yeah. now it feels like he was he was being the tryhard for the, the new teacher. Exactly. And, and, and being, I'm being unfair because he is a senior player and he, has, he does have standards that he wants to meet. And the players should respect that he he has caused challenges tactically even with the goals he scores and and so maybe the two things are slightly different but you're absolutely right the standards throughout the team way below the quality of the players and in a sense that's what Luke Shaw was saying now it did sound like it's finger pointing because he didn't say and I he said mm. there are we're not all together which was yeah. oh, Jesus that is damning isn't yeah. it we're not all together and you could read that in a way as he's pointing at Ronaldo. If you want to talk about it as a very narrow thing about this, the pressing and the aggression, he may be, maybe, maybe it's others who, who want to coast. And I think it's fairly obvious. There are some people in the United squad are quite happy picking up their hundred grand a week or whatever. I don't think there's anyone who's that poor in the United squad, 150 grand a week to mm. coast because there's, there's no accountability from the top. The manager's going to change in six months' time. The manager changes every two years anyway now. The the executives are quite happy to assign celebrity players, not really thinking about any kind of continuity around it, but thinking about clicks. And I know that's, again, kind of reductive as a piece of analysis, but it is, it is the club's mentality. 
players have to be a you know good marketing signing as well as, as something on the pitch. There's no single vision. Like Murtar, is he really empowered as director of football? I don't know. I don't know how that works when Rangnick's a consultant. That's the thing, isn't it, Ed? But you've said that, and Fletcher coming in as a, a technical director now. When we didn't have Murtar and Fletcher, that was for three years. Everyone was saying, no, we, we need one. We need a technical director. And now there's, there, there's no clarity on what they're actually doing. They're no, just well, Fletcher's on the side of the pitch. He's the only technical director in European football that's on the side of the pitch pointing at players. Yeah, it's, it's like, yeah. well, what they, there's no clarity from, from the club to us, or even there doesn't seem to be any internal clarity on what they're doing. I, I don't think there is. I'm sure there's uncertainty. And, and look, look, I have some sympathy for Ragnik here as well, because he lost Carrick and McKenna and he didn't want to lose either. Yeah. And so we have him and Armas come in. It's a new coaching team. They're shorthanded. They're in a really difficult situation with a lot of games, a lot of intense games, COVID and all of that. So I have a lot of sympathy. It's a really hard situation to come into. And I think he's been fairly clear about expectations. One thing he does have, we'll see whether he's a good coach, but he has clarity of thought. He's very clear. He wants to create an identity. He doesn't know what that is yet, I think. Yeah. Be given the the three different systems he's used so far. And I'm sure he wants to create a certain brand of football. Now, the football last night was completely the opposite of what we expect. We expect high intensity, high press, fast on the transitions, the kind of football that the Red Bull clubs produce. Everyone knows what that is. And it was the opposite last yeah. night. It was misplaced sideward passes slow 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 and the players that you expected to be the ones that were intense and were quick were either missing bruno or put in a really poor performance sancho and some of that we can forgive because he was um you know playing a left wing back for the second half or at least part of the second half but yeah like nothing is to expectation yet but I think there are a lot of caveats. And and so I'm coming more to the point where I'm really at, which is looking at the players and going, wow, probably the lack of bounce under the new manager is your fault, guys. A new guy and they're still not intense enough. Yeah, there's a historical problem at United. And I know you like a bit of Mourinho bashing it, so I'm sure... Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> not as much as Paul does. He loves it even more. So lives well, for this, it. this one's for you then, Paul. And this is... A thing that I always attribute to the... Remember when we were chasing for the Europa League final and we were still yep. in a, a good shout of getting into Champions League via the league and Mourinho just decided somewhere in the middle of March that, oh, I'm just going to put all my eggs in the Europa League basket. And, you know, he, he basically started resting players for the league games. Like it was Arsenal and Spurs we basically threw away. Now... You mentioned Keane earlier and, and Keane's standards, and there was a quote I wanted to mention. It's in his autobiography. It's about, he's talking about, and I'm not going to swear, so you can save your filler for this one. But he's <laughs> dropping a few F-bombs in about, yeah. after he first signed for United, he was playing against Swindon and Norwich, and there was a lot of aggression in those games. And he was getting um, insulted by this because he was like, well, why are you trying so hard? If you were trying this hard for every game, you wouldn't be playing for Swindon or Norwich. Now, fast forward to the Mourinho era, these these games that I'm talking about. Obviously, the, the issue there was that Mourinho was basically saying to the players, he was giving them an excuse, he's saying that when you're at this end of the season, if there's no big trophies to play for, then these games aren't big to you. But the problem, yes. the problem that he's got at United, and it's a very unique 
problem for very big clubs. And I don't know how many other clubs, because I don't support them. I only see United. The, for the the opponent, and I'm not, this might come across as like very, very biased towards United because I'm a United fan. Sure. But people, the opponents, and I know this to be from the, case that, the cases of talking to the many United players over generations through the youth team, reserves, first team, and then from when they, they move elsewhere. And this is going back to the 60s, 70s, right through to present day, that they've always been startled by the fact that it's a cup final for the opponent and how much of a, a cup final it becomes for the opponent. You know, what they can't understand when they're on the opponent's side, yeah. why are you playing this good against United? All that sort of stuff, the psychological aspects of that. So you've got from Keynes and Ferguson's day, which was never a problem, then to Mourinho then going selective about it, saying, no, you can pick and choose the games you turn up for because yes, these are the games yeah. that I think are important. Yeah. Now, I think that's a culture in United that's going to be massive for Rangnick to turn around because now you've got the business end of the season, but there's nothing for United to fight for. They, they right. can coast in this period of, even before the game yesterday, you're having people saying, oh, well, Arsenal and Spurs are in good form, aren't they? That already feels like an alarm bell for these players thinking, we could probably get away with fifth or sixth year because nobody expects us. We can ride the rest of this season. Yeah, off yeah. Turn up. And I, genuinely, I do think that's a massive problem. If you remember the back end of that Europa League winning season, United lost a bunch of games in a row in the league. And yeah, because Mourinho had done exactly what you say, right? He'd given them an excuse, said, you don't need to win these. And he beat an Ajax side that was up and coming, but not as good as it became. And he beat them with a very you know specific tactical plan, which was Mourinho's thing. It was dreadful, that final. But the, the larger point about giving players the excuse, I, I think you're right. And right now, they've got plenty of excuses. Yeah. New manager who's not going to be there in six months' time if it doesn't work out. Other teams up and coming, nothing to play for. They're still going to get their bonuses. Yeah. Or, you know, what? Yeah. They're still going to get their pay packets. They will take a pay cut next season if United aren't in the Champions League. I don't know how many of them are motivated by that. Maybe it doesn't matter. Extra yeah. 20 percent on 15 million a year maybe maybe that's it's not life-changing is it so that's their yeah, money's yeah, maybe not in a, uh, yeah for them yeah for them for everyone else it's yeah so yeah maybe that's not money's not enough of a motivator maybe glory's not enough of a motivator maybe they realize united are a club that isn't going to be challenging for the premier league anytime soon and they're happy to 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 live in something in in another world now that's not the case for everyone and I'm sure Ronaldo doesn't want to be at a team that's not winning. Maybe at his stage of his career, he's just kind of accepted that. But I don't, I don't think so, really. I mean, he's got other problems, but I don't think that's one of them. And there are plenty of players at United that have never won anything or anything of note, really. And maybe they're not, they don't seem hungry enough. I mean, I'm sure Bruno is. And it's kind of, it's worrying tactically for him right now because he doesn't fit in Ragnick's preferred system. Mm. But he's also, I'd be thinking, he's been here two years. He wants to see progression. He's a top player. Plenty of elite clubs would want him. Do we get to a point, if he's in and out of the team, that he doesn't want to be at United? I can kind of see that coming. I had, had a back and forth on Twitter with a few people about Bruno because his performances this season have dropped off a bit. But he's still United's. He creates the most chances, the most big chances, has the most assists, the most expected assists, most goal shot creating actions, and the most goal creating actions, right? So he is by far and by double on goal creating actions. Right? Yeah. So in the chain of of a goal coming. And I think something like Luke Shaw is the next one after mm -hmm. that. 
So he is absolutely central, no matter his performance is dropping off to United's ability to score goals and create something. And now suddenly he's in a situation where he doesn't fit. And he's, he's also central to the leadership of this team. He's the one driving them on all the time. And if there are players coasting and there are players coasting and Bruno's in and out of the team, God, it's a bad message, isn't it? And I, I don't know how Ragnit fixes that problem. I don't know how he fixes the problem of lack of quality in midfield, the overweighting of the squad towards attacking players because he can't have them all in the t- team at the same time, players coasting and the fact that he's only got six months or five months left on his deal at United yeah. and then becomes some kind of consultant, probably with not much power. It seems like a horrible situation that leads to a really bad outcome. Yeah, I did this, the other thing as well. When everyone was campaigning and the people I'm talking about, I'm not talking about you, there was, there was a, a, that toxic element of the support who were really goading, really trying to pull fuel on the fire when Solskjaer, when it was yes. obvious that it was yeah. going to end with Solskjaer and they made a lot of noise and United, like it or not, they pay they're paying attention to social media these days. So they're seeing yes. all this toxicity. They see, they're ramping it into the, the overall atmosphere of the club. And I'm not saying that they're responsible for against all your sides that, and he had to go, by the way, I'm not arguing that point. The, the point I'm going to make is about my reservation about why, why I was so reserved and why I was so concerned about social going is because we were still fairly stable and we were still progressing and Solskjaer did still have a track record of turning around difficult runs. I agree fully that I thought this one was one too far for him and it was too difficult to turn around. But in making the change, you've got so many unpredictable elements and you've just mentioned one there. So everyone would have thought, oh, well, now you've made the change. You're just going to bring in an experienced manager and all the good things will stay good and then we'll kick on forward and all the bad things will get better. But it doesn't work like that in football because a new manager comes in with this brand new system and like you said, Bruno Fernandes has been the outstanding player for two years. Now suddenly looks like he could be collateral damage of this new regime. And on all, by the way, all these other winger players, which we've invested so heavily in, the likes of Sancho and, and the likes of Rashford in terms of time that we've spent with him and Greenwood even, yep. like there's no natural place for them in this new system. Yeah. And it's, what did you want? Because you've got to accept that when you've got a new manager coming in, he's going to have his own ideas. They're not going to fit in with your ideal version of what's going to, uh, in terms of the way that people yeah, yeah. are presuming that everything was going to get better and United were going yeah, to start yeah. challenging again. The, the, it doesn't work like that in football. So you were always going to sacrifice the positive and people didn't want to say that Ollie had done anything positive, but he did. And now you've sacrificed all that. Because yeah. There's a lot of good that we're, we're not seeing at United. There was absolutely lost value there in Solskjaer going. And, and again, I got to the point where, like everyone else, I, I, I believed he should go as well. But I think I mentioned it earlier. I think there is a kind of belief, both amongst supporters and the board, that a manager is the messiah, come and fix everything. Yeah. Uh, and it's why, it's why we've had this debate on this pod a few times over this season about what is the value of the structure of the club versus the coach. And I I think a brilliant coach like Ferguson or like Guardiola or like Klopp can make a lot of, obviously can make a lot of difference, but they're in the best position to succeed if they have the right structure around them. United still don't have that, even with Fletcher and Murtagh, because of the lack of clarity around what their job Mm. and their roles are. They still don't have that structure. So... Ragnik is not in the best position to succeed. And you lay on top of that, COVID, coaches going, 
a squad full of players who are willing to coast and are happy with failure. And, and it's a recipe for disaster. It really is. Mm. Uh, and look, maybe this works for the board, right? Another interim coach, if it all uh, goes south and it looks like that's going to happen, but we'll see this season, they can just dump him. He becomes a consultant. He's 5 million euros a year or whatever he's getting. It's a drop in the ocean. He'll probably have no real power because the real power lies in Tampa. And they'll exactly. move on to whatever messiah is coming next, whether that's Ten Hag or Poch or Sam bloody Allardyce. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking about that one. Ed Woodward, if you're listening, that's not a suggestion. <laughs> mm. So uh, maybe we're feeling negative because of the the performance and the result last night. I'm, I'm sure we are. But it, like, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed at the club in order that whatever coach is in place can succeed. And I don't have a lot of faith in the club fixing all of that. And maybe we'll all feel better after United spank Aston Villa in the FA Cup on Monday night. Maybe we will. Maybe. maybe. So. But I think the, the concern, by the way, yeah, it can be downbeat after a defeat. But you remember when Bielsa brought Athletic Bilbao to Old Trafford and they played really yes. well and they played magnificent. You took your heart off to them. You just went, well, you know, you applauded them and thought... You didn't get down, well, you obviously downbeat that we lost the game and we, we were eliminated from Europe, but at the at the time, you don't like feel, oh, oh God, well, I saw that coming and I'm going to feel negative about the future now. But we saw Wolves coming to Old Trafford and out playing United. That wasn't off the cards. And then when we saw it happen, no. it was like, well, they've. it's embarrassing because at the end, I always feel more embarrassed when I see the, the time go up and know that the opponent's actually happier for the time because they can score again. And they were just yep. controlling the game. And like, yeah. it was, that was the thing. It was predictable. You could see it coming. You could see the game panning out exactly as it did. And it did. And you could, you could forecast, especially in the second half after the formation change. And that, that was a little worrying thing for me is that Rangnick perhaps isn't fine tuned in everything to do with the English game because what they did was quite predictable from the outset. Everyone around us on, on K-Stand was saying, well, when they bring Triori on, it's going to be a completely different game. And it was. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it and was, it, yeah. I know we haven't talked about the game much because it was dreadful. <laughs> We've been avoiding it, but that was predictable. And as I said, I, I think Bruno Lage, I mean, he's outthought Rangnick in that he's won the tactical battle there and the yeah. outcome was inevitable as a result. But Wolves may have won anyway, just because they had more quality last night. And they had a, a plan that's had six months to to brew and get into place. And United don't have that at the moment. And Ragnik is still trying to find the answers. Yeah. And that, that looks like tinkering. And United paid the price. In terms of players, I mean, what, is there any positives? Dave made a bunch of saves again. He seems to be back to something that looks like his best. He's having to be. He can't coast at the moment. He doesn't really have any competition but maybe just the presence of a, a goalkeeper like Henderson who could come in is enough motivation for him. Varane got another game. That was good. Luke Shaw's back. I guess he wasn't very good last night, but he's back in the team, recovered from his uh, concussion. I don't know what to say about Aaron Wan-Bazaka. I thought it was a disaster last night. He's not done anything this season to justify his position, nor that. Diego Dallo has either, really, but there were some positives in the few games he got, at least attacking. Jones, I mean, he's the story of the night, isn't he? You mentioned him already, and he came back after 707 days away from the team mm. and put in a, a creditable performance. And it hasn't always been that case, and 
I, I hope I haven't contributed to the pylon over the years about him, but I definitely, as a player, not as a human, as a player, he's been a waste of space for several years at United because he's just never fit. And when he was fit, they weren't very good performances. But, you know, for a one-off game last night, lots of positives for him. No, absolutely, yeah. And you want to see, like, if he's going to go out um, either January, like, let's say that this is a, an opportunity for him to have shown that he can still play by yep. the Premier League or Championship level. He didn't let himself down, but we've got to remember that he wasn't good enough for United. You're quite right. All the other things to take from the... the, the sometimes the positives that you can take from a game are, are what the things that you don't try again. So Sancho, let's not try and wing back again. Let's not no. bring Rashford on at left wing back and move him to right wing back. I, I feel one when, when I feel really bad for players is when their confidence is so short that the, the bad things they do look like the deliberate. Yes. Like the, the yes. bad no, And that play. happened to Rashford, Rashford last night. I think he went on the dribble and then there was a, like a simple wall pass that he was trying to play in the box and he got it all wrong and missed the player from about five yards, the pass. And I just, it was just one example of where he's at at the moment. Yeah. The Bruno pass as well, where, where he quite near yep. the end where he could have played Bruno in and over it yes. by about 30 yards. And yes. Just, yeah. In that circumstance, I mean, yeah, you said don't play Rashford at right wing back. That's fairly obvious. But then um, you just feel sorry for him that his confidence is that short that he couldn't do something that's fairly simple for a player of his ability. I hope he's too good for this to continue. But yeah. it's been a long malaise. I mean, he's yeah. had he had the season disrupted by the back injury and then last season disrupted by the shoulder injury and the foot injury. And he should never have gone to the Euros. He should have been recuperating and he should have been ready for the start of this season. And for a very understandable reasons, Rash uh, Southgate wanted him in the squad as an impact player. Didn't really use him like that. Mm. And Rashford wanted to go. Completely understandable, but it was the it was the wrong decision for everybody involved. And Rashford's suffering for that. Yeah. And we've seen players' careers disrupted by injury. Phil Jones. Yeah. You no. Know, Ferguson called him the greatest player, or had the talent to be the greatest player since Duncan Edwards, etc., and so on. Yeah. Right. Um, become a trope now, but I really hope that doesn't happen to Rashford. We want him to be improving and progressing, and the disruption at coaching level is not going to help that because he's got the talent. He was before he signed a new contract. The, his agent was checking in with some of Europe's biggest clubs. I think it's well established now that Barcelona were interested. Yeah. I mean, they were dumped 100 million on anyone at the time. So he's got the talent. And if injuries, tactical stuff, get in the, and confidence get in the way of that, there'll be a real shame. Yeah. But I just, there's just so few positives on the, the playing front. Maybe Fred's stock has gone up now. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be back in the team against Villa, I'm sure. But everyone else, it's, it's really hard. I mean, Greenwood wasn't brilliant last night, but he was bright. And then he was hauled off. And, and you know, you heard the reaction from the crowd, right? Old Trafford has become more tetchy over the years. There, there was a time that no one would get booed. It doesn't matter how bad you were. And that's not true anymore. And that decision was not greeted well by the fans. For understandable reasons. And Rangnick explained it afterwards saying, yeah, well, he had to choose between Cavani and, and Greenwood. I mean, there were other choices he could make, yeah. but that's how he framed it. And so it was unlucky on him, but just so few positives from the player's point of view after last night, after feeling okay, after the Burnley game. I said a good 45 minutes against Burnley, and now we feel we're back at the start again, and the pressure's on because the, the one trophy left for United to win, assuming yeah. that United are not going to win the Champions League, is the FA Cup. 
Uh, and that's going to become important this season, I think, uh, for some kind of hope. Or the fourth place trophy, and that's looking doubtful. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a funny thing with the FA Cup, because, I mean, I, I think with United, I, I suppose, yeah, every club's going to say this, but when you've got a romantic history with it, and we we both grew up watching United win it a lot of times, in yeah. an era where the cup final day was st still such a big thing that they would have coverage starting at nine o'clock in the morning. So yes. you still grew yeah. up with that. So it does mean a lot to, to a lot of us as fans. We're not quite in this era of young younger fans who just see it as one of the, the B trophies kind of thing. I, I guess it is, um, to all intents and purposes, one of those. But I still see it as a fairly major trophy. Now, it is all about the way that you go about winning that trophy in particular, although, let's say, the League Cup or the FA Cup, because it did nothing for Mourinho when he won the League Cup. And it really did it did nothing for Van Gogh because he was sacked while he was holding it. So it yep. depends on how you actually deem that progress. Now, the funny thing is with Van Gogh, and I know we're talking about current events, but if we're talking about tracking how Ragnik's going to progress and what's going to define his progress or, or be identified as that, such as that it is considering that he's probably going to be replaced in May yeah. anyway. But the thing what was good for Van Gogh was that he was bringing through a lot of kids and they were, they were helping to galvanize this atmosphere around yep. the club when, when really everything, the football itself was actually terrible. So it de really depends on the circumstances in which we get this drive going forward and, and hopefully get a good cup run that ends with success. But I think in terms of putting a pin in something and saying we are moving somewhere, it's vital for the club to win a trophy because they've only yeah. won for four years. So the, yeah, regardless yeah. of anything, for all everyone involved, this is from the players, their pride, the the manager to say that the you know the many the players to say that they deserve to be mentioned in the breath as these Manchester United players because I've been seeing things online today on social media when I was checking in, and people are sort of saying, well, this might go down as one of the worst groups of United players ever, and I was thinking about it and. Certainly post war and United were relegated, remember? Yeah, yeah. Seventies. They they might do. They might and, and look at when you look at the talent that's in the team. Yeah. Well it, it's all it, relative to expectations, isn't it? And exactly. so in the eighties when United were dreadful, all we expected was an FA Cup run and maybe being decent in the league. And there were there were two seasons at the beginning of the Ferguson era when United finished what, thirteenth and eleventh. I mean the the sky would fall in, the world would end, it would be a Hollywood level disaster if United would finish 11th now. So expectations are different, even given the eight and a bit years after Ferguson has gone and the failures, relative failures of this period. Younger fans might not associate this, but I think for confidence, for status, for not being ranked as one of the worst United squads ever, the, the FA Cup is vitally important. And then just short term just after that disaster of Newcastle to create some kind of momentum under the new manager. Yeah. It needs both a performance and a result against Villa on Monday. Yeah. And and none of those guaranteed, are they? It's important for Villa too, because they're, they're safe. They're not going to get relegated. They are trying to be a comfortable mid-table side. They've had a decent start and him who will not be named yeah. under the new manager, the the Liverpool manager in waiting. You've, you've Danced every way around saying the name there. Um, yeah, I know. Ugh. Yeah. 
No, yeah, the, 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 the lad who got himself sent off after 10 seconds. That yeah, one. That, that lad. What you're saying is right because they're now, Villa are probably looking at every all of those factors and saying, well, United are probably a little bit vulnerable. And the thing is, and I don't want to be negative, guys. So if you're listening to this, don't come on me, come on me for being negative with this. But at need... Wayne S. Barton, if you have feedback. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> do. In fact, do. But the, the, the facts of the matter is that this United team don't respond. They don't respond to setbacks. I don't know what it is about. I know that, yes, form picks up and everything like that, but they're not a responsive team. Ferguson's yeah. team were always responsive. If they lost like two or three games, it dropped three or four players and then they batter someone five yeah. or six nil. Yeah. This this team doesn't have it within them to respond in that in that kind of way. No. They just get. I mean, they all, they all trot out their social media posts. I haven't actually looked, but I'm sure a bunch of them will. We have to bounce back from this. We we yeah. go on. Exactly. We're very sorry. The fans deserve better. We're going to try harder. It's a process, blah, 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 blah. You know, and it's all valueless, isn't it? They, they so. will know. The Villa players will know because he who shall not be named will be drumming it into them. This is a vulnerable United team who feel sorry for themselves. And those Villa players, because of the manager, will probably give an extra 10% anyway. Yeah. feeling that there's a scalp on for them because it's played at Old Trafford as well all that sort of stuff I'm, I'm feeling quite pessimistic about it for those reasons I, I really hope that United, this is one of those occasions where this is a long time that Ragnik's got to work with the squad as a whole probably the longest period he's going to have really Yeah. so really let's hope that one of the first things he fix, fixes is that reaction Shaw said it in his interview that was one of the other interesting parts of the interview it was Apart from the sort of finger pointing and the mayor culpa, the lack of mayor culpa. Yeah. He also said, we've got a whole week's of train, week of training. And then he said, hopefully this is something the manager can help us fix. Like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is on the manager to make the calls about who plays, who doesn't, to run the training sessions. And he's very hands on there uh, absolutely but sure is there looking for uh, looking for a solution and not looking within and it's that was pretty worrying but also kind of calling out what you're saying but they do have a week they better get it right the yeah. pressure is definitely on yeah. so what what kind of team do you reckon will will be i mean can Rennick afford to rotate a lot and bring in some kids i mean there aren't that many kids he could actually bring in because of the bubbles and stuff but is he going to do that, or is he going to be a, a full-strength side, do you reckon? Can anyone afford to... Can United afford that at all? I don't think that they can. And at a time when he still doesn't know what his best shape or best team is. I mean, you'll see rotation, of course you will, but you've seen all the full-backs play. You've seen all the centre-backs yep. play. You've seen all the midfielders yep. play. So we're still not quite sure what it is. We'll think... see whether Lindelof or Maguire are available. They both had a... Lindelof's got his back problem. Maguire, I can't remember what the problem is there. Hopefully they're available. Eric Bailly's at the uh, Cup of Nations. Yeah. I don't know whether Phil Jones can play two games in a row or not. You know, we'll have to see what the reaction is to that because his body has not done that for a very long time. Yeah. No, he's, Ragnick's going to play what he thinks is his strongest team to win the game because, for the reasons we've already mentioned, the FA Cup is crucial. To, even for the fact that if he's a manager for five months or six months, you'd want to say that you run a trophy at the end of it and it's yeah, the yeah. only one that he could well let's let's be reasonable he's not gonna win the champions league so yep. you never know if the cup run gives you a fair draw as fair as the city draws in recent years then we might have a chance but the jeopardy of it being a knockout even though it would go to a replay the jeopardy of that can can 
change the occasion, as we all know, with cup games. Do we still have replays this season? I guess we do. We haven't cancelled them. No, you know. I don't. I, I'm pretty sure that they might have brought them in, brought it in a, a round earlier to say that you know right. the, where the, to do that from the quarterfinals onwards or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So news this week. I, there, there's not much really. I mean, apart from uh, Luke Shaw's interesting interview and potentially uh, a side interview with Mark Ogden, ESPN, that we were talking about prior to the the show. A couple of loan changes, which were a bit odd. Looks like Axel Turnzebe is going to Napoli. From yeah. Villa. He's not been he's not been in the team, so yeah, he needs game time. Yeah. And Ethan Laird is it seems to be switching from Swansea where he's been a revelation as one of the most attacking fullbacks in the championship and played every week to Bournemouth, which I guess is an upgrade, but a bit odd. And it yeah. it kind of the thing that worried me about that one was the reporting which said United will get a larger share of his wages paid and a bigger loan fee. Yeah. Are we making decisions about young players based on loan fees and not their development path that that was a bit worrying ted and mengi's gone to birmingham he needs games yeah he's yeah obviously not in the thinking for a, a spot in the first team at the moment i think that was it any other moves there was a well the club not not on the pitch but off the pitch the club said that they were going to look at fixing some internal things at the club like the the, the ground like the wi-fi which is notoriously bad as right. well the 3g reception so we yeah, might be able yeah. to get WhatsApp. Woohoo, we'll put some small cells in there and uh, get get WhatsApp going. Yeah. Well, the, so. the thing is when when it gets to sort of an hour and 5 minutes before kickoff cuz there's that many people around the ground, you don't get the team news. It's very rare right. that you yep. can get the team news, so you have to yeah, be yeah. actually in there. Um so it's it sounds stupid, maybe a welcome change to sort of you know, it, it's nice to receive the abuse I get on Twitter a little bit more up today because sometimes I can exactly, scroll through yeah, like yeah. two hours worth of abuse by the time I can get reception after the game. Exactly. You, know, you, want, you want to be called a cunt in real time, not, exactly. you know, not after the fact. Yeah. It takes yeah. the fun out of it. So There was actually, talk, talking about our traffic and stuff, there was a report maybe a week ago that, and this is a regular occurrence, this kind of report, that United looking at expanding and improving yeah. our traffic and potentially uh, building a development stadium. They own quite a lot of land. They own all the the shipping container yards and stuff like that, and uh, a lot of parking space and around Old Trafford. Not the houses behind the South Stand, though, which has always been the the problem. Uh, building over the rail track and onto those houses were was part of the reason why um, it was deemed so expensive to expand Old Trafford. I have to say, I, I looked at that story uh, and looked at how many times I'd seen that exact same exact same story over the last ten years. Yeah. It's like. Four or five times the yeah. exact same story. Let's and it just felt like a distraction. So I, I will believe it when I see the diggers at Old Trafford <laughs> and the new seats going in. Yeah. Uh, then I'll believe it. And even then, maybe not until they actually cut the ribbon. So yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see about that one. Anyway, well, that's it, I guess, for this week. Um, not the most positive because we had a game to talk about at least, exactly, which yeah. was better than last time. Yeah. Um, not the most positive on the pitch. A lot of problems to fix. Someone put a meme out, you know, done the rounds before. It's it's that picture of there's two people on a bus. One of them's looking at what looks like some cliffs. He's looking really glum. The other one's looking at the beautiful vista and the sunshine of the hills. And and it says, 
me thinking about United's next game, that's the sunny side, me actually watching United's <laughs> next game, yeah, doesn't half feel like that yeah. sometimes. It very much felt like that yesterday. Absolutely. Well, thanks, everyone. Patreon backers, stay tuned. We'll talk about the Premier League for 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, everyone else, see you next week.